Hi, this is Stuart Weems, and thanks for listening to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy-to-understand strategies, insights, and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about interest rates. Where are they heading, and what should you do as a result? Uh, you know, for many Australians, their home loan is their largest expense. Well, it's either in the it's in the top two. You know, it's either tax or or home loan. But either of those expenses are significant, and uh, we should look to w- at ways to reduce them. Uh, but in particular, for property investors, uh, the borrowing costs, the holding costs of a property, is one of the top three factors that direct de- directly impacts an investor's success. So that is how much money they make after tax. Uh, as I've uh, talked about in a in a more recent uh, blog, and the link is in the in the show notes. So, with this in mind, I thought it was good to sort of look at what we think is going to happen with interest rates, and are there any opportunities there? So, the first place to look is uh, at something they call the cash rate futures. Um, essentially, what uh, banks and institutions can do is buy these future contracts uh, to protect their up or downside. Uh, in terms of interest rate movements. And essentially, when you look at the futures yield curve, essentially what it does is it gives us a consensus view of what the market thinks. Now, the market's made up of very large institutions and banks and so forth. So you've got some pretty arguably educated people really adding their views and they're trading based on their expectations. So they're kind of putting their money where their mouth is. What the futures uh, represents and the, um, the chart that the ASX puts together, uh, the link is in the, in the show notes. But what the futures are saying or suggesting is that interest rates will be about um, 0.25% or a quarter percent lower by around about October-ish uh, this year, so later this year, this calendar year. So it's suggesting that the market thinks the RBA is going to make at least one rate cut and then uh, potentially lower again in 2020. Uh, Bill Evans, the chief economist at Westpac, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, actually towards the end of February, came out and said that he thought the RBA was going to cut rates twice this year, once in August and once in uh, November, uh, so just after the on Melbourne Cup Day in November. Um, he is the first, he was the first economist to make that prediction, to rate cuts, that is. Uh, before that, every all, almost all economists were saying rates are on hold, they're not going to go anywhere. Um, and even some uh, economists previously were predicting rates might increase. Uh, but since making that prediction on the 20th of February, lots of other economists have jumped on the bandwagon and joined him. Now, Bill Evans was the first uh, economist to predict that the RBA was going to start cutting rates in 2011, uh, just around the the you know in the middle of the kind of GFC, so he's certainly got that right. So he's got some good form there. Uh, essentially, Bill Evans is saying he he's taken that view because he thinks GDP growth will be weaker, the wealth effect associated with the softer property market. So the wealth effect, um, the hypothesis is that if your wealth, if your personal wealth is reducing, so because as a result of your home value reducing that you will react by reducing your spending, increasing your savings rate. You know, people start to get a bit worried, consumer confidence reduces, so they spend less and and save more. And that obviously has negative flow-on effects for GDP. And so that's that's what they call the wealth effect. Um, and, And as a result, he's saying the savings rate will increase, and that's why he thinks the RBA will need to cut rates. 
Um, so the RBA, interestingly, throughout last year, 2018, it was saying that it wasn't really that concerned about the property market, that, you know, there's a, a small correction, um, and it wasn't really concerned about the flow-on effects uh, to the wider economy, which I always found a bit surprising because, as we saw through the GFC in the US, uh, when housing prices fell, uh, consumer confidence plunged. Uh, so there is a, a direct correlation there. Uh, maybe the RBA was just trying to talk the market out of it. You know, hey, don't worry about the property market, keep on spending. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's worked anyway. Um, the RBA has sort of changed its rhetoric a little bit uh, recently in the last month or so and now starting to say, well, there is some potential downside risk as a result of a softer property market. It's also downgraded its GDP growth forecast. Um, but essentially, I think before the RBA moves... Um, uh, it would have to see inter- uh, unemployment increase. Now, the last reading, which was in January, which was released about a month ago, uh, unemployment rate was steady at 5.1%, still historically low, still a pretty healthy unemployment rate um, by world global standards. Uh, so, you know, but, but if it starts to tick up, I think that's when the RBA might start becoming a little bit more concerned and uh, and start cutting interest rates. Now, if the RBA does cut interest rates, uh, the first big question we need to be asking ourselves is, will the banks pass it on? So on one hand, I guess given the scrutiny and negative publicity as a result of the Royal Commission and all the noise around banking and so forth, you would have to think they'd be very brave uh, or maybe stupid or arrogant not to pass on all rate cuts. But by the same token, um, some small lenders have been increasing variable interest rates recently um, most notably ING in February increased its uh, variable interest rate. So that suggests that cost of funding is increasing uh, for these uh, lenders. So there might be equal pressure on the bigger banks' cost of fundings and maybe they'll see it as a way of just enhancing profitability, particularly I given in context of all the remedia- remediation that they're going to have to pay for uh, with respect to their financial planning business and the poor financial advice they've been delivering. That's obviously going to be a drag on profitability and potentially dividends. So uh, given the banks are mainly driven by their dividends, maybe they'll look to enhance profitability and therefore not pass on the rate cut. In any case, they don't have a lot of good form here in regards to doing the right thing. And I don't think there's any Australian um, walking around today that that doesn't think that that's going to be a big risk. You know, that is, the banks won't pass on any rate cuts. So I think in context of all that information, you'd have to say that there's very limited upside with variable rates. So when I say limited upside, that is that they're going to fall from here on in. And if they do fall from here, they're probably not going to be material. Um, and, but by the same token, you know, looking at all that sort of broad news, also the good news is that rates probably aren't going to rise uh, in the next one or two years at least, um, at least not significantly. So that, I mean, that's some, some, some good news to kind of take away from that. And potentially uh, interest rates could be at historic lows for a lot longer than that as well. So, you know, the current variable interest rate for homeowners is around about 36 to 4.6%, kind of in that range. Depends on repayment structure, so interest only p and um, your loan-to-value ratio and your overall borrowing size and loan size, they all have uh, um, an indicator on how much or, or how high your interest rate will be. But, you know, by historical standards, pretty low. Uh, for investors, uh, four to 
5.5% is kind of the variable rate range, again, depending on repayments, LVR and, and loan size. Um, so in the in context of history, you know, rates are still uh, relatively low um, and potentially they're going to be uh, a little bit lower, but maybe not materially so. And so if you have a look at that in context um, with the three-year fixed rates, for example, three-year fixed rates represent pretty good value in my opinion. So only occupied three-year fixed rates sort of range from 364 to 3.85%. Now remember the variable rate, as I said, the range is 36 to 4.6, so certainly at the lower end of that range. Um, so potentially if you're locking for three years, okay, and rates do fall and the banks do pass it on, um, you won't necessarily get to participate in that. But by the same token, you've certainly locked in your cost of funds uh, for the next three years. And if you don't have a rate as low as 3.6, a variable rate, so if your variable rate is over 3.85, then potentially you've got a lower rate from day one as well. Um, for investors, uh, um, for principal interest repayments, about 4 to 4.2% for three years. Uh, and for interest only 4.1 to 4.35. I think that's probably where the biggest value is for investors, uh, even on interest only repayments. Uh, most in, for most investors, their, their current variable interest only rate is probably going to be more than uh, 4.35%. And therefore, uh, potentially fixing uh, looks like a good opportunity. Five year fixed rates tend to be about a half a percent higher than three year fixed rates. Uh, so, they look less valuable in my opinion. Uh, essentially, you're paying a premium straight away and you have to, I think it would be reasonable to draw a view that rates aren't probably going to change for the next couple of years at least. So you're paying uh, at least two years of premiums, you know, two years of a higher rate of half a percent for two years, sorry, uh, uh, before, you know, you even get some benefit of the interest rate protection so five years on that basis doesn't look that great. And three years is by far the most popular um, term to fix for uh, at the moment. And because where rates are, that, that that's kind of obvious. There's four reasons why you wouldn't fix. The first one is if you want to make extra repayments. So most fixed loans don't allow you to make extra repayments or limit the amount of extra repayments that you make. Uh, so therefore, uh, don't fix all your loan in that regard. If you want to make extra repayments, keep some variable. So you just have a think about how much you can repay over the next three years, then add a little bit of a buffer and keep that portion variable and then potentially fix the rest. Uh, reason number two is if you plan to increase your borrowings in the next three years, so there's renovate, upgrade or invest, then maybe fixing isn't the best way to go because borrowing capacity can vary significantly between the lenders and it changes regularly. And so what you want to do is keep your flexibility to use any lender. Um, rather, if you fix your rate, you'll be ha handcuffed to that particular lender and that might restrict your abilities in the uh, in the future. Thirdly, if you want to sell your property, um, fixed rates can have break fees. Now, the break fees are unascertainable at this stage and the quantum of the fees really depends on future interest rate movements. So no one can sit here today and say, if you fix your rate today for three years, but you broke that rate in two years' time, what the fees will be but they could be significant. And if you're planning on selling an asset over that period of time, probably not best to fix. Fourthly, and finally, if you want to use an offset account, very few lenders, Adelaide Bank allows an offset attached to a fixed rate uh, loan, but I think that's the only one off the top of my mind. 
so very few lenders allow an offset linked link to a fixed rate loan. So if you want to use an offset, um, have a variable portion and uh, fix the remaining amount. So in summary, it doesn't look like interest rates are going to be rising anytime soon. So we're probably going to be lower for longer in terms of interest rates. Maybe the RBA will cut. Um, and that's a big maybe. Uh, but will the banks pass it on? That's another big maybe. Uh, so maybe, you know, if we do, we won't see all the, the, the benefit of the RBA cut come through to us on a mortgage rate uh, basis. And depending on your variable interest rate discount, so your current variable rate, uh, potentially looking at some uh, three-year fixed rates at the moment uh, starts to make a lot of sense. Uh, so if you need help uh, with your interest rate management strategy, loan structure or lender selection, obviously don't hesitate to reach out to us. But I hope that's been useful. As always, the the notes and links and so forth are in the in the show notes. And until next week, bye for now.